Welcome back to Forge. This is a special series of messages that were given at our men's retreat on January 26th through 28th. Here is part one featuring Jack Schultz as the speaker. Welcome to Forge 2024. Woo! Woo! It got hot in here. You know you're getting old when you have to put your pieces together to be able to see. <laughs> Rejecting passivity. I like what Victor said to start out with. He said, how do you tell that you're a man? Because in the society that we live in today, the definition and the expectation of manhood is all over the place. Arkansas has one expectation and definition of manhood. Illinois has another. California? (laughs) But here tonight, no matter where we're from or where we have come from, we are united together as one in Jesus Christ. Victor's already brought it out, and it's a great point. Our example, our guide, our pathway all revolves around Jesus. If you're following any other, any other ideology, any other any other path, any other hero, you are on the wrong path. Now there's something, a couple things I want to touch on before I begin speaking tonight because my message is going to be a little different. I did a lot of studying on rejecting passivity and nothing I'm going to say tonight is in anything that I've read. Does anybody know what a paradox is? Yes. Catch you too. I was going to give you the definition of a paradox. I got my phone out. I was going to go to the dictionary. No bars. <laughs> no definition. So that's where we're at. So I don't have a definition for a paradox, but I can give you a couple of examples. We just sang a song that says, Lord, I surrender all. Why do we surrender? So that we can be set free. That's a paradox in the world. How can I be set free if I surrender to somebody? A biblical example of a paradox is the Apostle Paul saying, to be strong, I have to be weak. To reject weakness, I have to become weak. A paradox. So listen tonight as I speak to you because everything I'm going to say to you tonight is biblical paradox. Rejecting passivity. Not being passive. Remember that every word, every deed, action, and response of Christ was to accomplish a spiritual goal. 
And keeping that in mind, then, we need to ask ourselves, if we are to reject passivity, what exactly is passivity? What is it that we're rejecting? If we are going to reject something, we need to know what it is, and if we're going to fight against it and prepare ourselves to overcome it, we need to have an understanding of what it is if we are standing against it. I hope y'all got that. I gave myself a headache. <laughs> Passive. Passivity. Brother, I'll, I may pick on some of y'all. Please don't take it offensive. You're not supposed to be passive, but can I tell you something? I was a cop for 26 years. Still work with the police department. Not as a cop, but still involved. But there's some of you here that scare me. And if I was to meet you in a dark place, you'd probably scare me even more. But this is where we go into manhood because the world says, don't be afraid. And if you stand before me, if you stand against me, I should stand bold that I should speak out and that I should use whatever means necessary for me to gain dominion over you. Is that not how we look at men today? Dog eat dog. Dog eat dog. Good example. Mono -e -mono. Ah. You guys want to come up and preach? Huh? <laughs> but in studying this about rejecting passivity, in every sermon I would go to, in every, every lesson that I found about it, of course, it all revolved around one scripture. And I know in the years that I've been here with Forge, rejecting passivity always seems to revolve around one scripture. In the book of Genesis, God creates the heavens and the earth. He makes for man this perfect place. Now, I have my ideas about it. may not be your idea. But I know that God made this garden. And he placed Adam in the garden. He gave him dominion over everything. Amen. But Adam was lonely. So God caused the sleep to come upon Adam, and he took a bone from, from his side, and he made a woman. He took them together, and he told them, everything in this garden is yours. Perfect temperature. And I know it had to be perfect. They were running around naked. Anything you want to eat, Anything you need, and in the cool of the evening, I will come down and walk and talk with you and have fellowship. Amen. There's only one catch. Amen. You see that tree in the center of the garden? Don't eat its fruit, and don't even touch it. For in the day that you eat of the fruit of that tree, you will surely die. So for whatever period of time they were in the garden, they abided by the word of God until the day came that the serpent appeared. And the serpent began to talk to Eve and entice her. Look at this tree. I know God told you if you eat it, you'll die. Don't believe it. 
Look how good it looks. Look how luscious that fruit is. I'm telling you, you won't die. What's going to happen is you're going to eat it and you're going to become just like God. You're going to know good from evil. And so what happens in Genesis 3 and 6? It says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Here we see the beginning, the original sin, the epitome of passivity and the action of Adam. A trait that unfortunately has been passed down throughout humanity. The beginning of all human weakness through the fall and the failure of one man, Adam. And sadly, we, we follow along in Adam's shadow. I want you to notice something about Adam. I want you to notice something about Scripture. Who ate the fruit first? And yet it says that we are born into sin. For sin came into the world by that who? First man, Adam. I want you to note the sin was not put upon Eve. It was put upon Adam. Because it was his responsibility. We'll get back to that later. But we are, we are born living in Adam's shadow. None of us have escaped that. And it's easy to see if we just open our eyes and look around at our families, our neighborhoods, the places we work, the cities and the towns that we live in, we can see men who rather than being strong fathers, often like Adam, just stand there. Men, rather than being loving and supportive husbands, just stand there. Rather than being examples of ethics and morality and honesty and boldness, young and old men alike often just stand there. Tentative, uninspiring, sadly passive in so many of the areas of our lives that matter the most. So let me go back. If we are to reject passivity, we need to know exactly what it is. I read a lot of scriptures that defined and showed this. I in studying that, I came across a couple theological ideas of passivity. But I wanted to keep it simple tonight. So I went to the dictionary. And I really liked the definition I found in the dictionary. It says, passivity is the acceptance of what happens without an active response or resistance. Huh? The acceptance of what happens without an active response or resistance. 
Passivity then is doing nothing. Now let me clarify something before I go much further. Because this is something that I had to learn and I often still need to work on. The opposite of passivity is not aggression. That's right. Amen. Activity right. must right. be the opposite of passivity. <laughs> Activity, but not aggression. Right. Huh? We'll get into that passive. We'll get into that activity in a second. But the opposite of passivity is not aggression. When I gave my life to the Lord, there was something that I had to deal with because there was a battle of wills going on in between me. A battle of my mind against the, the will of the Spirit of God. And I had to learn something that I need to guide me even today. And that is that physical attributes do not accomplish spiritual feats. Physical attributes do not accomplish spiritual feats. Amen. Let me make it as simple as I can. You will never beat an unbeliever into becoming a believer. I don't care how strong you are, how fast you are, how smart you are. Your physical attributes are not what God wants to use to accomplish spiritual feats. The Apostle Paul said, when I came to you, it was not in the enticing words of men's wisdom. It was not my physical traits. It was not my intelligence. It was not my schooling that I am bringing to you. I am coming before you in the power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. It is not the physical that God is looking for in men. We see what Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 9. Have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. This is Ford's night for men, right? We got any old women in here? We're good. We're good. Huh? Nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself. In the, in the King James, the new King, King James Version, it says, exercise yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline or bodily exercise is of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. If you live in the Spirit, it benefits you today, and it's going to benefit you forever. But he says bodily exercise profits little. I used to be sort of a gym rat, can't you tell? Amen. And I would go three, four times a week. And there are them grunters in there. No offense. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Y'all seen them. And you know what? When they grow old, give you something to look forward to. When you grow old, 
you're going to look like me. <laughs> because bodily exercise profits little. You know why? This body, from dust it came, and from dust it's going to return. But that which is within me will live forever. Godliness has the promise of life now and life which is to come. While we must reject the passivity passed down from Adam, we need to know how to overcome that passivity. And we have to know that over that we cannot do it by depending upon the strength of our flesh, our minds, or of our spirits. It is not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So, we need to set our expectations, shape our thinking as to what is right, so that we might accomplish our goals of being a godly person, led by God's Spirit to overcome this flesh. I have a couple examples for all of this. Now, y'all remember we're talking in a paradox. Luke, Luke 9. John answered. Now, John answered because Jesus had just got done talking to him. You got to love the apostles. I like reading about the apostles because I don't feel so bad about myself after I read about the apostles, Okay. These guys had just got done arguing amongst themselves who was going to be the greatest in heaven. Jesus put that to rest, got it all straightened out, and says, and now John answers and said, Master, we saw a Baptist down the road. Got any Baptists here? Uh, Put your hands up. We got any Presbyterians? Nah, you ain't no Presbyterian. Got any Presbyterians here? Good. I saw this Presbyterian down the road. And he was casting out demons in your name. Where am I at? We tried to prevent him because he's not one of us. We laugh. How much of the church is like that today? But Jesus said to him, do not hinder him, for he who is not against you is for you. When the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him. And they went and entered a village of the Samaritans. Remember, Jews didn't like the Samaritans. Samaritans didn't like the Jews. Uh, They entered into the village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But They, the Samaritans, did not receive him because he was traveling toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, you got to love this. This is why I know Scripture is true. Because you can't make this up. When James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume them even as Elijah did? And Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you don't know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. 
These are two examples of James and John, part of that little circle, that inner circle of Christ, certainly feeling that they were spiritual, taking a stand for Christ. They weren't about to let outsiders be included or to allow anyone who rejected Christ to get by without retribution. And Jesus shot them down both times. The problem was, in these two circumstances, John and James responded in the flesh. They responded in the flesh. They allowed their actions to be dictated by their emotions instead of the Spirit. Without a doubt, they believed they were being bold, assertive, protective, even rejecting passivity, but they forgot that the plans and the purposes of God are spiritual and not physical. They acted as they did because they did not recognize or understand the plans and the purposes of God, not knowing what manner of spirit they were. They forgot or they had not yet truly learned that God's ways are not our ways. So if we're to reject passivity, we need to have a spiritual replacement. You know, this is what I read in psychology books, that you never quit a habit. Mm -hmm. You don't ever quit a habit, you just replace it. Two thousand four. Twenty years no. Yeah, twenty years ago, I quit smoking. I was kind of a skinny guy. And I gave up that habit of smoking. Guess what I did? I started eating. Yeah. <laughs> Buff went the fluff. You know what I mean. We don't ever lose a habit. We just change them. So if we're to reject passivity, we need to find a spiritual replacement. If inaction is unacceptable, what then is an acceptable spiritual reaction? I mentioned earlier the trouble I had, and sometimes still do since I've been saved. All those years I spent as a cop, even today, my initial reaction in dealing with people in under certain, or under certain circumstances is to throat punch them. Amen. I had something written down here. I was a little afraid to bring it up, but after Victor's little speech up here, I don't feel too bad. Not only throat punch them, but I thought maybe a little bit gender reassignment surgery right on the spot would do some good. But when our emotions rear up, when we want to physically control a situation, we need to remember that we don't battle against flesh and blood. We need to suppress the responses of the flesh. 
Let me give you just a couple examples of myself. If y'all haven't figured it out, I'm old, okay? And I didn't grow up in Arkansas. I grew up in a fine, outstanding, Polish, Catholic family. We went to church every Sunday, regardless of what we did Friday or Saturday. We gave $2 in the offering plate and went about our lives. I grew up believing that a woman should know her place. And that dominating them was the right way things should be. I also learned that if I was struggling with something, well then by golly, I just needed to pull myself up by my own footstraps, uh, by my own bootstraps and just keep on going. Be a man. Don't take no crap from anybody. But something happened to me along the way. And I'm sure there's many men here tonight that you can go to later on who can tell you that the same thing happened to them. Those ways of thinking changed. That attitude, that fear, that arrogance, that pride was tempered as I walked in a new light and I got to know Jesus and his word. So let me go through a couple of scriptures. Distinguish physical reaction or rejection of passivity and how it is with a spiritual response. We have Matthew 5 and 38. Now you guys ought to like this. You've heard it that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Huh? But I can't use you. I can't... <laughs> See, if he was to come over, watch that step. If he was to come over here and jack slap me, by golly, I'm going to jack slap him right back. Eye for an eye tooth. Eye for a tooth, that's right. If I got him good enough, I might get that tooth, right? All right. Be a man, huh? Let's be a man. Give a little payback. Deliver some karma. No need to be passive when you're attacked. No need to be passive when you're challenged. The thing about scripture though is there's always a scripture that follows. Verse 39. But I say unto you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you in the right cheek, turn to the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, hmm. if he slaps me in my right cheek, turn to him my other one. Submission to being wrong. Submission to persecution. A spiritual reaction to a physical interaction. Didn't I tell you this was a paradox? 
Rejecting passivity sometimes means submission. Think about that. Rejecting passivity sometimes means submission. Sometimes what seems passive is really strength. Submission, which we'll see later on, is so forcefully exemplified in Christ. Ephesians 5, 24. One of my favorite scriptures. Y'all ready? But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. Anybody that knows my wife knows I rule her with iron fist. But please don't tell her I said that. <laughs> Be the boss. Be the king of your own castle. Put your foot down. After all, it's the woman's place to cook, clean, take care of you, and submit to your authority. But then there's that pesky scripture that follows it. Husbands. Love your wives. Is it raining? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for it. Uh. Mm. Husbands, love your wives. If we love as Christ loves us, we find that rejecting passivity often means sacrificing, aiding, helping, and even placing someone else's needs above your own. All the actions by the example of Christ in which the action we do take lifts up someone else. Luke 22, starting in verse 47. While he was still speaking, behold, the crowd came. This is Christ in the garden after he had prayed. And now Judas is coming with, with the mob to take Jesus prisoner. It says, while he was still speaking, behold, the crowd came. And the one called Judas, one of the 12, was preceding them, and he approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? When those who were around him saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Thank you, I would have kept going. In the flesh... We may feel the need to defend our faith at all costs. Strike out physically and forcefully to prove and defend our belief. But Jesus says in verse 51, do we not have it? We don't have verse 51. Jesus says, permit even this. Put away your sword, but permit even this. 
rejecting passivity, often, and I would say mostly, requires the plan of God to go forward, regardless of the personal price we may have to pay. No matter what it costs you, if it's God's will, it should be done. The thing about this scripture here is using Jesus as our example in the Gospel of John. It says that Judas and that crowd came toward Jesus and they said, we're looking for the one called Jesus. And Jesus looked at that crowd and said, I am he. And it says they all stumbled backward and fell to the ground. Amen. I want you to understand that Jesus told them to put away their swords. Don't stand against them. Permit even this when he had the power to speak the word and the earth would have opened under their feet and swallowed them up. He had the power to wave his hand and cast them all off to the corners of the world. He had the power, as he did so many times before, to walk right through the crowd and just disappear. But he said, permit even this, because he understood the plan of God and his place to reject passivity was to be obedient to the Father. How do we find then the knowledge, the strength, the insight to reject passivity? To reject it in the spirit, which is the life that we should be living. The word says to resist the devil and he will flee from you. But how do we resist? If throat punching you isn't the answer... If we recognize that physical strength is not the answer, if harsh words, threats, rumblings, or complaining is not the answer, how do we reject passivity? Another example in Jude. Jude chapter 1. You know why? There's only one chapter in Jude, right? says, yet in the same way these men also by dreaming defile the flesh, they reject authority and revile angelic majesties. But Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. That takes some thought. Moses has died. God's own Lord said, there's never been anybody like Moses. Never will be again. You think the devil didn't want the body of Moses? Take it as some type of trophy? Dangle it in front of the children of Israel? Show them the defeat and the failures they were? Of course he did. So God sends the, God, the mighty Michael I don't know the total power of an angel, but we know that Michael 
a spiritual being, surely the captain of the angelic host, the right hand of God of his created beings, could have done grievous battle with the devil. But he didn't. Didn't so much as raise his voice to him. Did not do so much as raise a hand to him. But turned and looked at Satan and said, the Lord rebukes you. What a way to reject passivity. Yeah. Following the purpose of God, he stood, against the, he stood against Satan without violence, without anger, without a personal vendetta. I've been leading down a path, hopefully, to develop a spiritual response to rejecting passivity. I'm coming to the end, if you can bear with me a few more minutes. And when I was writing up my notes, I was really close to the end. I went back. We're not so close, but. <laughs> the whole point of this tonight is how do we reject passivity? What examples do we have to follow? What is our inspiration? And I think we find it in, 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 in Philippians 2. It says, have this attitude. King James, New King James, it says, let this mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He, he submitted, he surrendered himself. Taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of man, he what? He humbled himself by becoming what? By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Amen. Here is our example. Amen. If all we do, if every action we take, if every word we speak should be for the plan and the purpose of God, and Jesus is our example, here is our way of living. Let this mind that was in Christ be in you also. Amen. Who lived the life humbling himself and being obedient to the Father. Amen. This is counterintuitive to the way men think. But rejecting passivity exemplified here in Christ is recorded for us to use as his example. Amen. If we are like-minded with Christ, we too must become humble and obedient. Yeah. And Jesus set out even the more perfect example of humility and obedience to accomplish the spiritual goal. Yeah. I wasn't going to read it, but I think I will. Matthew 4. Uh-oh, Matthew 4, beginning in verse 1, 1 through 11. Anybody got a Bible? Oh, I do. There you go. 
Thank you, sir. Is it up there? Thank you. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. He had just been baptized by John. Y'all remember the story? He went down, he's baptized by John. He come up under the water, the Lord speaks, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. It says, now he is driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle, the high peak of the temple, and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning him, concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to test or says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. That'll preach. Let me tell you something. That'll preach right there. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Passivity is the acceptance of what happens without an active response or resistance. What could Jesus have done? Satan comes against the creator of heaven and earth. Satan stood there and Jesus could have called down fires from heaven. Jesus could have looked up and a legion of angels would have come down and carried Satan away to the farthest corner of the earth. Jesus could have looked at Satan and blown upon him and cast him away. But resisting passivity, Jesus faced down the devil with it is written. What did he do? What was his reaction? How did he accomplish the spiritual deed the Lord had sent him to do? He rejected passivity by resisting the devil. The word will lead us and guide us. It will be a lamp unto our feet. At that moment that we need to act or react, it is the Holy Spirit through God's word that will make the way for us. So let me close with this. Sort of closing, ending with the beginning. We're in the mess we're in because Adam did not reject passivity. Are we in agreement? Were you trying to beg the question? Well, I was, but I'm going to answer it. <laughs> you know, begging the question is making a circular argument. Thank you. You know why I make circular arguments? Because I'm circular. 
See, now you made me forget where I'm at. What are we talking about? Let me close. Adam, would, we wouldn't be in the shape we're in if Adam had rejected passivity. And what could Adam have done? The serpent came, was hanging on that tree, and he's telling Eve, look at the tree. Look how good it looks. Look at the fruit. Imagine how good it tastes. God's not telling you the truth. You won't die. Eat it. You'll be like God, knowing good from evil. And all Adam had to do was go, no. For the word the Lord said, do not eat of it. No would have saved us all these troubles that we're in now. No would have put an entire different story in the scriptures that we read. But he did not reject that passivity. He stood there silent. He took the fruit passed to him by Eve and ate of it. He knew better. God's word, God's word, don't eat it. Remember what we said at the start. Every word, every deed, every action, every response of Christ and every response of ours should be to accomplish a spiritual goal. As Christian men, every word, every deed, every action, every response, whatever the attack, whatever the trial, whatever the temptation, it should be to accomplish a spiritual goal. Reject passivity and walk in the Spirit. Reject passivity, stand upon the Word. Reject reject passivity and be strong enough to be humble and obedient to the will of God. I'm about done. As Christian men, we are spirit beings. We need to remember that. Paul says we're to die to the flesh and live in the spirit. As Christian men, we are spirit beings. The ways of the world are not our ways. Being strong in the spirit may appear to the world as weakness. But we see the results in Christ who humbled himself and he obeyed. And because of that, was given the name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Reject passivity by being humble. Reject passivity by obeying God, standing on his word. Hey, guys, and knowing that God's got your back. Thank you. Thanks again for checking out this special Forge series. For more encouraging content, check out our regular sermon podcast right here every Sunday.